Hey, guess what time it is? I'm not even going to give you an opportunity to answer it. I'm going to answer the question myself. It's time for the AEW Dynamite review. The weekly one. It is uh, uh, April 6, 2023. We're going to be talking about the April 5th Dynamite. That happened just last night. Hello, I'm Warren Hayes. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We got uh, we got a lot of stuff uh, to talk about on a very again another eventful edition of AEW Dynamite, and I hope uh, I hope you're going to stick around for it, uh, and I especially hope that you're going to give this video a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If of course you're watching this on YouTube right now, YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Little details like that that help out a great deal. Otherwise, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, your podcast feed of choice, well, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify, they help out a great deal. Just little tiny things that help grow the podcast and help get my get the, the, the word of truth out there. Because, man, you know, being, being right so much is... Quite the burden. We'll get into that in a second, though. And even before we start talking about dynamite, look, we're gonna, you know, don't bury the lead, as they say, right? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about about that recently. You know, what what do you what what do you lead with? Well, we're we're gonna talk about the big announcement. Uh, Tony Khan's uh, much ballyhooed announcement for last night's uh, dynamite was the fact that they are going to be running. Wembley Stadium in in August this year. They put out a press release, so on and so forth. Let's go right ahead, and uh, I'll just read through the important parts of the of the uh, press release, not the entire thing. During tonight's live episode of AEW Dynamite from Long Island, New York, AEW CEO Tony Khan, star Adam Cole and host Nigel McGuinness, announced. That AEW's highly anticipated UK debut will take place in London at the iconic Wembley Stadium on Sunday, August 27. AEW All in London at Wembley Stadium, that's the name, full name of the show, marks AEW's first show outside of North America and the first time that professional wrestling has taken center stage at Wembley Stadium in more than 30 years. Of course, we're uh, the last time famously being the WWF at the time, hitting Wembley with uh, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog in the main event. Tickets for AEW All In London at Wembley Stadium go on sale to the general public Monday, May 5th at 9 a.m. British Standard Time. Effective immediately, fans in the UK can pre-register for early access to the event. So that's already underway. Uh, we've got the necessary quotes here. Uh, from Tony Khan, the UK is one of the most important markets in professional wrestling and AEW is coming in hot as the number one wrestling company in the UK on television. We want our debut in London to be epic in scale and there's no better venue than Wembley Stadium to deliver what I know will be one of the greatest events in AEW's history. This April also marks 100 years of Warner Bros., and 100 years of Wembley Stadium. It's a fitting time to come together for AEW All In London at Wembley Stadium. Uh, and the announcement comes on the heels of AEW's tremendous growth. Again, this is not, like this is not me. This is the press release saying here. Yeah, I don't know if I'd talk about tremendous growth, but anyway, let, let, let me read through the thing first. 
Uh, this announcement comes on the heels of AEW's tremendous growth in TV viewership in the UK, with AEW programming serving as the highest ratings driver for men ages 16 to 34 on ITV4 since the start of 2022. AEW reached 2.8 million men on ITV platforms in 2022 and began 2023 by increasing that reach by another 45% among men ages 16 to 34. So, um... I think this absolutely qualifies as a big announcement. You know, there, whenever Tony does, you know, I've got a huge announcement. I've got an important announcement. You know, when he starts hyping it up, sometimes it doesn't quite live up to that. And we've had recent examples of that. And, you know, me to me, I know people get really upset about it. But uh, for myself, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Promoters are going to promote. That's their job. Um, they might stretch the truth. They might, uh, uh, you know outright lie uh they might uh you know embellish or create a hype that's what they're for that's their job right to promote that's in it's in the name uh so um you know i think anyone reasonable was coming in here with uh levied with their with uh leveraged uh, not leverage what's the word i'm looking for tempered expectations there we go just to you know all right okay he's got a big announcement but you know i think this one absolutely qualifies as an important announcement. I think that was that was the term he was using, right? An important announcement. And I think that that makes absolute sense. I, I, I don't think you can look at this and say, well, was it that big a deal? You know, they're not fucking running, uh, you know, he didn't announce like a fucking show in Eugene, Oregon. You know, it's not what was happening here. Or, you know, in, in Moose Jaw up here in Canada. No, 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 they were, we're going hard. Wembley Stadium, one of the most, and you know, when they use the term iconic, absolutely fact, you know, one of the better known stadiums across the world, MSG, Tokyo Dome, Slash Egg Dome, this one, I think they all fall into the same category. These are huge venues with history on multiple levels, and it is a huge stadium to boot. <laughs> it's not as if it's, you know... Yeah, nothing against Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe is still, you know, it's what, 28,000, I believe, if memory serves me right. I could be off. I don't quite remember. I don't have the, the number right in front of me, and it's just slipping my mind. You know, Arthur Ashe is a stadium, sure, 28,000 28, is fine. Let's, you know, this is a stadium that is easily three times the size of Arthur Ashe. This is a big fucking deal. Um, I would assume that Tony Khan would not be jumping into this if he didn't have uh, something up his sleeve, if he didn't have plans, if he didn't feel confident that he could pull it off. Now, the, the details in viewership in regards to uh, men watching AEW in the UK, I think that is a, I think it's a significant, uh, if the numbers are exact, because I know, I'm not going to pretend that I have easy access to British television ratings here. Um, if, if the if the ratings uh, uh, if the growth is real here, well, I mean, you know, there that's a significant uptick. That means there's uh, there's interest in the product on one hand, and it's there is growth. So uh, strike while the iron is hot. Um, you know, I myself have been privy to uh, imagining booking scenarios. You know, thinking about you know it, you know certain. WWE wrestlers whose contracts are rumored up are, are rumored to be coming up soon. 
uh, who, you know, could show up in their native land and maybe get a big win on a big pay-per-view. Like, you know, your mind goes off into those territories. And I think that's absolutely fine. It's fine to speculate on these things. And it's fun. That's part of the fun of, of, of you know, being a pro wrestling fan and, 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 and thinking about these things. So, you know, that's fun. But, um, you know, and, and I'll probably talk about this more on the uh, on the main podcast this this Thursday on, you know, the nitty, more nitty gritty things in regards to, you know, talent, who's going to show up. You know, there's been people saying, oh, f- hopefully the UK indies will get a spotlight there. And I have a, I have thoughts on that. You know, I have, you know, uh, that's a whole other thing, right? That's a, I, you know, well, I, I think I'll say, you know, we're, it's a dynamite review for Pete's sake. We're going to talk, I think I'll talk about that more on, on, on Tuesday. Uh, on the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper. But uh, the point that I think we need to make here at this point is that this is, I think, a this is a significant uh, 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 um, tentpole event for AEW hitting up a, a major league, big-time arena across seas. Uh, that is, this is a significant moment in time for the company. This is Tony Khan swinging for the fences, right? This is absolutely him saying, "I, yeah, we can pull this off." And you know, I, you know, I. A lot of people give Tony a lot of shit, and rightfully so in some circumstances for you know booking decisions and whatnot. But you can't argue that you that you. It's difficult to argue that this man doesn't do things without a plan, without certain aces up his sleeve um i think he's doing this for very concrete reasons i don't think he would be doing it if he didn't feel like AEW had a chance of pulling it off right what i mean pulling it off is filling up uh filling up uh, wimbley stadium you know that having more than ten thousand fans there essentially <laughs> the bar may be low but you know but that, that's my point um so this is absolutely so this is a this is a statement that AEW is putting out there saying, uh, we're big time and we're ready to run the big time venues and we're ready to run the big time shows. Um, we can go into markets we haven't tiptoed in before and we can generate interest. We can hopefully sell out in this case, right? Uh, you, you know, they're, they're trying it out in, in, in Toronto with uh, Forbidden Door. The show, saw, the, the, the show sold out effectively. It's gone. You know, they're going to keep adding some tickets as, as we get closer to the date as they, you know, as more and more places get open, these tickets are going to be sold out. It's going to be, you know, it's already done, right? It's a, it's been going, venturing outside of the United States has been going well, but this is like, this is above like just crossing the border and going to, you know, entering, you know, New York City's little, little brother, Toronto, uh, going to the UK and running one of the biggest, and famous stadiums in the world, that is that is a, a sign. And the fact that the Fed has never run this, has never won Wembley, never run Wembley since 1992 is significant. And I don't think it should be lost on anyone. This is the first big time wrestling show that Wembley is going to be hosting since the early 1990s. Um, it's a statement. At this point in time, it is a statement on how Tony Khan feels AEW has leveraged itself and how it's how it's 
how he wants it to present itself moving forward. Because then, because the, there is going to be, and in the minds of viewers, the casual viewers and investors and even business partners or potential business partners with AEW, there's going to be a shift in in, in how they perceive the company after uh, after the Wembley show is held. This is like, this is a formative, it's a formative moment for the company. And you can't, you, you can't deny that. So, of course, the questions that we're all going to have, are they going, that we all have right now, are they going to be able to fill out the 90,000 seats there? I don't know. <laughs> of course, you know, the, the capacity is nine is 90,000, right? How many seats are going to be removed because of, uh, you know, stage and, and, and production and so on and so forth? Sure, they can add ground, you know, floor seats and whatnot. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what kind of capacity. Let's have this conversation again when, um, when the, uh, the, the pre-sale rolls around. Uh, will they be able to, to, to sell out Wembley? Do they have to sell out Wembley? Like the like the minute the minute this you know what is the goalpost here? A sellout would be of course fantastic. If AEW, this is something that we always have to keep in mind here. If AEW, a company that is entering its fourth year that that is in its fourth year of operation, I should say, about to enter its fifth. On the on the on the verge of entering its fifth year of of of, of operation is attempting to sell out Wembley Stadium or to, to run a show at Wembley Stadium, that's huge. So whatever they whatever number they do is probably going to be a win financially. And in perceptions, well, that's going to depend on how big the number is in regards to the stadium capacity. If AEW fills out a third, if it, if it fills out another Arthur Ashe, but in, in, in Wembley, I think there's a lot of, I think it'd be fair to shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, you know what, was this worth it? Was this worth, you know, dragging, you know, everyone overseas uh, and, um, and paying whatever venue fees for Wembley and whatnot? Was it going to be worth it? We're going to have to see over there. Um, you know, but if we start getting into the 60,000, 70,000 range, that's a huge deal. That's a tremendous deal. And what are we even talking about? Like we, even if it, even if it doesn't completely sell out, if we start getting some massive numbers like that, it turns into an economic success. And maybe on the PR side, they would love to be able to say we sold out Wembley. But maybe we'll just turn out saying, you know what? We, 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 we hit a huge number. And this is a company that is four years in the business. This is a company that is four years in the business and we're doing this. You know, the market leader, the one that's been around for, for 40 years, only ran Wembley once, only did it, did it that one time. And maybe this might be the case too. AEW might be like, look, we're going to do it once and that'll be that. Or it might become a more traditional thing. I don't know. I think it's interesting as well that they're running this the week before what would potentially be all out here in the uh, in the North American territories. Um, it is the weekend before Labor Day. 
So does this mean that they're running two pay-per-views back-to-back? Maybe. I think it's also to note that the term pay-per-view has not been used at all in any of these official communications moving forward. Of course, maybe they, they still have to strike some deals, so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, and, and, and their primary objective at this point is to focus on Wembley, focus on selling tickets. That's what you have to do here. Don't muddy the waters by adding too much information. They can make another announcement in a couple of weeks once the pre-sale is done to say, oh, by the way, the Wembley show will be available internationally on Fight and on Bleacher Report and all that bullshit, right? They can do that. But I still think it's, you know, to note that they didn't call it a pay-per-view, right? They're not calling it, uh, they're not calling it a pay-per-view. It is, uh, you know, it's the AEW All-In London at Wembley Stadium show. I, I, look, they're doing it on a Sunday night. I mean, all signs point to... I'm not saying that it's not going to be broadcast. Let's not... Don't get my, don't get my words twisted here. Um, I'm not saying that it's not going to be broadcast. But I, I, I absolutely am saying that there's a... You know, there hasn't been any indications yet that this is a show that's going to be uh, broadcast in any fashion. Which I'm sure it will be. Again, don't get me wrong. You know... I'm going to buy the Wembley pay-per-view. Of course. You know, it's like, because you want to see these things. So, we'll talk about it more on, on Tuesday. We might talk about some, you know, booking possibilities. Uh, might go down some, you know, some, 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 some extra thoughts, some fantasy. Uh, maybe some, a little bit of fantasy booking to see what, you know, what could happen. Talk about this idea that the indies have to, you know, that I've been seeing circulating that the UK indies need to be represented. You know, uh, is this, you know, is AEW going to call in some of its, uh, some of its partners to amp up the show? Look, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about, uh, and we'll figure it out as we go along, and we'll talk more about it on Tuesday, because right now we should review last night's edition of AEW Dynamite, as I mentioned earlier, April 5th edition from the UBS Arena in Elmont, New York, aka Long Island, the, the, the birthplace of MJF, the most magical place on earth. Now, at the start of this show, I said, the, you know, the burden of being right so often is, is, is a difficult one. And it's, it's not an easy thing to carry. Being right so often is, um, uh, it comes with great responsibility. And it's, uh, it's something that, uh, that, you, that you carry, that you can carry with pride but also with great humility. And this opening segment, the, like the minute AEW started, AEW Dynamite started on Wednesday, started off once again with Warren Hayes being right. And, and I'm like, God damn, I have to take another victory lap. I already took victory laps over WrestleMania weekend, and here I have to take another one. I'm gonna have to take another one at the end of the show too. I, you know, I'm not an athlete. You know, my cardio is to shit. I can't be taking these 
victory laps all the time. At some point, I'm going to collapse. But that's the pro. See, this is this is the issue. This is the this is the problem you have when you're so fucking right so often. Because Ricky Starks was supposed to take on Juice Robinson, but instead, what happens is Jay White's music hits before the match starts, and Jay White appears. And he runs down Ricky Starks and beats the shit out of him. Lands the Blade Runner. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, here we go again, Warren. I... Anyway, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, because this could be the first time that you're popping into the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Maybe someone sent you this, this review saying, you know, that you should listen to this guy because he's right a lot of times about a lot of things. And maybe you're like, oh, why are you right in this circumstance, Warren? Why specifically here? What makes you right in this circumstance here? I'm glad you asked. When Ricky Starks ended his feud with Chris Jericho and entered a feud with um, Juice Robinson, everyone lost their minds because they were like, what a demotion. The Jericho vortex is real. Ricky Starks in the mud. And what did I say the minute, the very first time Ricky Starks came out after Revolution and was confronted by Juice? I told you all, I said, it's not Juice Robinson's uh, Tony Tron that popped up. It's not his music that popped up. It was the Bullet Club logo with Bullet Club music. And I predicted and I told you all, do not worry. It's, this is not ending with juice. There is something bigger in the plans for, for Ricky Starks because Tony Khan likes Ricky Starks because he's building him as a star and he's not going to cycle him out in the midst of him being one of the guys that Tony can rely on. Ricky Starks has been systematically on our television since last fall. He's been on TV every, easily every other week and for a stretch of time, every week on TV, working, being on television and people still think he's in danger. People still think that Tony might not like him despite the fact that he had a, he was the first Defense of MJF's belt, which helped elevate him, despite the fact that he feuded with one of the all-time greats and one of the top guys in the company being Chris Jericho. And I, and last week, I said, look, this shit with Juice is dragging. Something has to happen real soon because I was still adamant. I was still clear in my belief That the Juice Robinson feud was the catalyst, wink, wink, to something bigger. Because I saw the breadcrumbs. Because I understand Tony's booking patterns. Because I see Tony pushing Ricky Starks as a top guy. And now you have this top guy 
who's going to be entering a feud with an international superstar, with a guy with Jay White who got a tremendous reaction from the Long Island crowd. People were like up on their feet. They gave him a huge pop. They knew who he was. Former multi-time IWGP champion, heavyweight champ, world heavyweight champion. I said it last week. I said, look, this is the the the, the Juice Robinson sit, shit is starting to drag. I don't quite understand it. I don't like it, but something's going to happen. And there you go. And there you have it. Big surprise debut. Jay White did not end up going to WWE despite just reports last week of people saying, oh, there is still strong interest. I'm sure there was interest. This is the thing. I'm sure there was interest. Anyway, again, the best D-list podcast out there is mine. Kent, I've been telling y'all very oftentimes, you got to trust in your boy. I saw, I saw the breadcrumbs. I saw the, I saw the, um, I saw the, uh, the plan. And here's the thing. When did the Juice Robinson thing? Here, here's something that I just want to throw into your brains here, just so that you can think about it. When did the Juice Robinson feud start? What, a month ago? A little over a month? Four weeks? Five weeks tops, right? Five weeks tops, Tony goes into this scenario here with Juice Robinson, the Bullet Club logo. And yet, we were getting reports that, in the meantime, that... Jay White was, uh, that Jay White was, uh, that WWE had interest in Jay White, right? Remember? Do you think, and I'm just, and I'm legitimately asking you this question. Do you think Tony Khan would have put his boy, Ricky Starks, into a low-end feud with Juice Robinson if he did not have Jay White ready to go for him? if he was not confident that this was going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break this down. I'm going to let you think about that. I'm going to let you think about how about him. Four to five weeks ago, we enter this feud that culminates with a surprise return, a surprise arrival of Jay White. While in the meantime, we're getting news reports that WWE is interested in is very confident they will sign jay white tell me what's missing here tell me what's wrong tell me why we're getting a clear path a clear story path set out in front of us while meanwhile we're getting other reports from wwe sources saying we're confident jay white is coming with us why is that happening i'm just leaving it as that let's move on backstage tony Scavone is with Chris Jericho asking him why he came out uh, at the end of Adam Cole's return celebration to uh, to carry Dan Garcia back. Jericho says first and foremost that he's happy to see one of the boys come back from a big time injury. But it's also because of the celebration of Cole's return that he thought that he was that he came out. He thought it, the celebration was disrespectful for Daniel Garcia who just got beat and was in the middle of the ring 
and this was going on and on and Brit came out and they were smooching and there were the streamers and yet poor Dan Garcia was there being ignored and he says that is disrespectful. Disrespectful to Dan Garcia. Keith Lee then arrives and challenges this idea that suddenly Chris Jericho is all about respect and he's going to teach him a thing about but two about respect next week when he gets into a match against Chris Jericho. We're going to get that on Dynamite again. You know, here we go with the. Let me give you a spoiler here. Let me get. Let me give you a little. Let me give you a little spoiler here, and we're going to talk about Adam Cole a little later. But I'm going to give you a little spoiler here about this in regards to this match. Chris Jericho is going to win. He's not going to win clean, most likely, but he's going to beat Keith Lee. Here's the second spoiler. People are going to go on the internet and they're going to complain that Keith Lee was fed to Chris Jericho. But I'm going to tell you, but you know, anyone reasonable. Anyone who has a good head on their shoulders will understand how we are going to be positioning Adam Cole and Chris Jericho moving forward. Because, you know, you have to be willfully blind to not understand that this is where we're heading, right? For double or nothing, more likely. You have to be blind here to not see that Chris Jericho is being amped up for Adam Cole. And how are you going to amp up Chris Jericho other than give him some heat back? Because his last feud with Ricky Starks had him lying flat on his back, clean as a whistle, twice. Your heels, to be effective, cannot always be losing. Now, Keith Lee is an internet darling. A lot of people love him and I love Keith Lee as well. But I also understand what the plan here is. Put Chris Jericho in a match against Keith Lee so that Chris Jericho will come off as even more dastardly because he snuck a win past beloved wrestler Keith Lee. Because I'm going to have people say up and down, they could have put anyone in this position. No, they could not have. Yes, they could have had Chris Jericho beat a jabron, but they're putting him up against Keith Lee who has a fan base who is beloved who's a big meaty guy at the same time one where you're like oh shit Jericho's in trouble and Chris Jericho knows this and he's going to use nefarious ways to beat Keith Lee and this is what's going to make it effective and this is why we're this is why Chris Jericho needs some of this heat back off of someone who matters if you put him in the ring with I don't know name name a lower mid carter on the uh, uh, like against a uh, 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 Nick Camarado. Are you going to be like, of course Jericho is going to beat Camarado. Who cares, right? And no one's going to care. But people are going to care about this. And Keith Lee, here's another secret. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Whenever Tony needs him to heat him up for anything else, he'll do it. And, 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 and Keith Lee will be fine. Keith Lee's not going to be buried because this is all the shit that we're going to hear. These are all spoilers. Keith Lee is buried. They don't know how to use him. He'd be better off in WWE, etc., etc., etc. When the clear story here is Chris Jericho and the need to heat him up for double or nothing against Adam Cole. And we're going to talk about Adam Cole as we move forward. But this is exactly what's going to happen. We're going to go back to this Jericho Vortex bullshit. We're already in it. We were already in it with the Ricky Starks stuff. And now Ricky Starks is going to be feuding with fucking Jay White. Probably the biggest free agent signing outside of Kota Ibushi to be th that's available out there right now. So 
I, I, have, I have no time for this anymore. I have no time for people who don't understand booking patterns and don't see it and who can't put their personal feelings uh, for uh, their personal feelings in regards to a wrestler outside of analysis, outside of sitting down and just breaking down what's going on. Because look, you want to shit on Chris Jericho for uh, for donating to Trump's campaign. Uh, be my guest. Go right ahead and do it. Please do. But it, yeah, I am looking objectively at this. Chris Jericho, top guy, selfless, who has put over multiple people on this roster, multiple times, multiple people on multiple occasions. And you're going to tell me that this is bad because Keith Lee will be buried? Like, I don't have time for this. I don't. It, it, it makes... It, it, it's... We have to we have to be better than this and we have to appreciate what good is this is going to do for Adam Cole because that's that's the through line here. That's where we're heading. And Adam Cole is going to benefit. I'll talk about this in a bit. AEW World Trios match is what happened next. House of Black defeated the best friends. Sue Trent's mom is here. She's got the Dodge. She's got the Dodge Caravan. Huge pop from the audience. Everyone loves Sue. Hopefully, she she brought a big tray of cookies. I haven't had it. I haven't heard any report. This is why wrestling media fails us. <laughs> they, we never the the crucial stories such as were Sue's cookies still as good? I haven't heard any reports. No backstage. <laughs> no backstage reports on this. Focus on the crucial stuff. CM Punk and Danhausen and who cares? I want to know about Sue's cookies. That sounded wrong. I enjoyed this match. Fun little match. Um, I thought this was good and we got to see uh, a little more of the rest of the House of Black as opposed to Brody King who I thought... In the their past couple of matches was doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the for the trio, uh, but uh, we got to see Malachi Black get involved here, uh, throw some stuff around, and 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 uh, and um, Buddy Matthews just being fantastic here as well, and uh, of course Brody King got involved. Don't get me wrong, it's just I, I felt like the past two. The past couple of defenses that uh, the House of Black had, Brody King was taking up a lot of space, taking a lot of, uh, doing a lot of the action. Now everything was a lot more d uh, uh, spread out here. It's fine. Like, uh, you know, uh, Trent gets in some pile drivers uh, towards the end. Um, the, uh, you know, the, he, there's even a gang up on, on Brody King with, um, with Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy doing knee strikes and the Orange Punch. And we get very close to feeling that this might be a win. I thought this was expertly done. The final, the, the the last stretch of the um, of the match here, um, but uh, soul food is avoided. Chucky e. Chi tried it out, and uh, Buddy Matthews lands a stomp to get the win here. So, um, very solid, well wrestled match. I enjoyed it. And again, once again, the, who is the workhorse of this fucking company? I can't put. You can't put Orange Cassidy over enough. You really can't. Every week on TV, wrestling. And in, in matches of significance, he's putting his title up on the line. 
And I get it. Look, a lot of people saying oh, they're doing wrong by the TNT title. Sure. On the opposite, this international title with Orange Cassidy has just been phenomenal. And even when it, before, when it was still called the Atlantic title, it's just phenomenal. I've talked about Orange Cassidy multiple times. We don't have to retread it, but I do want to underscore once again, he's out here being the workhorse in the matches, doing the things. We get a segment backstage with Christian Cage. He's, he appears backstage in a red, a red door with Luchasaurus, who's sporting new gear. Uh, I, what's the? I think it's a pauldron. Uh, he was wearing, you know, the. I think that's what it's called, right? The the shoulder thing, a pauldron, I believe. And I couldn't get a, a good look at the mask. Because it was a little dark, but uh, you know, there's been shenanigans. There's been, you know, the, the mask designers of the Luchasaurus mask are suing um, AEW and Luchasaurus uh, in regards to the mask design and its use on television. Um, so, is this a new is this a new design? Probably that they're debuting. Uh, but uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus are not done being uh, being a thing. I like the idea of Christian Cage with an enforcer. I they're probably not going to go after Jungle Boy anymore. Jungle Boy is entrenched in a in a world title picture right now, so let him do that. Uh, but yeah, we're they teased that Christian Cage was going to talk. He didn't say a thing, so that'll come. I I I would believe. Look, he sold he sold the casket match, the coffin match, the burial match. He sold it. He was off TV for a couple of weeks, which is what you need to do. This makes sense. So don't burn him coming back and cutting a promo with just a thing backstage. He has to get back into the ring and get that heat, brother. He's fantastic. AEW Women's World Title Match happened next. Jamie Hayter successfully retained her title against Riho. I thought this was great. I thought this was a great match between, uh, between these two. And I'm not, even, I'm not even surprised, but I really enjoyed it. Um... Um, yeah, I mean, it, just some 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 great strong stuff from from both. Um, of course, the clash of styles, which always um, which is always the case with Riho, who is quick and high flying, and Jamie using her 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 powers as much as she can in here. Um, we even, but you know, we get a a, a superplex uh, during this match. Uh, we get Riho, who's uh, who's up for a, a brain buster by. Uh, Jamie Hader and it's reversed into a DDT. You get an avalanche hurricane run as well and a running, running Meteora, but the Haterade gets the win. And I mean, look, this is, the, and no one, and, 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 and it's a solid win for Jamie Hader against the first champion and they drove this home quite a bit uh, on commentary, which they should, and that was fine. I'm completely okay with this. Jamie Hader, this is what she does best. She comes in, she kicks ass. Because she, she's a great pro wrestler. And so is Riho. So she comes in, kicks ass. And we didn't feel the... And I will appreciate the uh, the uh, uh, um, tugging back on the outcasts here. The outcasts appeared immediately after in a, in, in, a, in a backstage segment. But not sending them out to do another beat down. Is a, giving t Jamie Hayter her championship win and a championship 
celebration where she poses. Perfect stuff. Like this, I I felt this was something that was needed. People were excited about this match. It delivered. It was good. Great. I loved it. This worked. This connected. It was a good moment for Hater. Um, and then we get the outcast backstage who said they're still coming for the title, basically. And it, in a strong segment by the by the outcasts, dare we say. Back into the arena, Matt Menard wants uh, to tell us what gets his nipples hard. He says the acclaimed, it's the acclaimed that are going to join the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's what makes his nipples hard. And the acclaimed make their entrance. But uh, they turn, Max Caster does a rap and he clearly is turning them down. But uh, Angela Parker doesn't, doesn't seem to grasp the concept. And uh, instead he says, look, I got us a, a Nate Man tag on Rampage. So, all right. Then they try to do the scissoring thing. Look, it's what it is. It is what it is. <clears throat> we get the MJF Day celebration starring regional babyface MJF. I love this. I love this. I, 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 I'm all for this. This is, let's, the regional heels, the regional babyfaces, let's go. MJF is cheered in one place in the world and it is Long Island and it works so well for him. It's just perfect. Um, He's got a, a a big band live there to perform. A a a, a jazzy old uh, uh, standard. Pennies from Heaven by Louis Prima, Louis Prima. He's uh, decked out in his white tux as well. His MJF, and he's doing all the jazzy crooner tropes as he's performing. I love this, and maybe it's because I'm you know maybe because I'm fucking old, but I enjoyed this. And I, because I saw, you know, you see all the tropes and I, and, and he's sincere in it and he's very good. Like this was a very, this was a very competent performance. I thought it, I, he came off, uh, he, you know, he can sing, he can perform, he did the whole thing. It was extremely entertaining in, in something where I would probably be out here, you know, it, a lesser man, <laughs> a lesser man would have me here out, would have me out here burying it. But I liked it. He ends up in the ring with town super, the town supervisor of Oyster Bay, Joseph Saladino. Who, by the way, I have to point out, in the long-standing tradition of having, you know, outsiders and other types of public speakers, politicians coming to pro wrestling to give addresses or, you know, to read off scripts or whatever. In the long tradition of, of that, Joseph Saladino is a top five outside wrestling public speaker. He knew exactly, he knew how to speak to a pro wrestling live crowd. This guy, this guy gets it. He knew how to do this. I, props to him. He was very good. He's a, he's an all-timer. Top five. But you all know what I'm talking about. There's people sometimes they'll give the mic to and they're very cringe because they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to talk to a... They don't know how to address a wrestling audience. This guy, uh, perfect. Perfect. Anyway, they give him a bigger... They they have previously shown some footage of MJF um, receiving the key to Oyster Bay. Now they're giving him a bigger key, the key to Long Island. They made it bigger and whatnot. And then Saladino hits the brakes and MJF tells a story about how his grade school teacher didn't understand that he had ADD. And told him he would never achieve his dreams of being a professional wrestler. 
and uh, he addressed all the kids in Long Island, not the other kids, because he doesn't talk to the poors. Only to, I'm talking only to the kids in Long Island. If they're being held down by people telling them they can't achieve their dreams because of ADD or other reasons, don't let them, don't, uh, don't let them hold you down. Don't be a bitch like his teacher. What was her name? Mrs. Beverly, Mrs. Uh, Ber I don't remember. Don't be, don't be, don't be a, a her. Don't, you know, follow your dreams. Don't, don't let the bastards get you down, essentially. As he's heading back uh, up the ramp, he asks the audience if they want an encore. And one of the percussionists there has cymbals and he crashes them behind him. And MJF is like, what are you doing? Unprofessional. I work with children kind of thing. I would have really popped if he had said that. I work with like, but he didn't. But it, tur it turns out that the percussionist who had a mask and, you know, was disguised was local heel Jack Perry. Who <laughs> attacks MJF. Regional heel Jack Perry attacks MJF, um, which leads to them being separated. And that transitions naturally into Sammy Guevara's match who comes out and the AEW title is there on, on on the ground so he picks it up and he sort of stares at it hands it to MJF and it's good stuff I love this segment no notes that lead that led us into Sammy Guevara defeating Commander and Excalibur is still calling him Commander so I guess both are acceptable I only have to I only have to believe that but I heard Commander so many times this weekend I don't know uh, that match was fine. Like, I, uh, it, this was neither man's best match. Um, I don't know if it's, a, you know, look, Commander hit all of his spots. He did the, you know, the, 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 all the rope walk stuff, the rope walk, the running rope walk dive, you know, from one end to the ring to the other. He did the running, the rope walk shooting star press. He was doing a lot of rope walks. And because he did that, well, Sammy at some point sees him do a rope walk and he does a cutter, gets the pin. So, you know, you can tell the story here that Sammy was like, "Okay, mother, you know, let, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna cut you off here. I see what you're doing. I see what you're up to, kind of thing." I mean, it was fine. Like, it, it was all right, but it just it lacked, it lacked some heat. It lacked some, uh, so, some snappiness. <clears throat> but it's still fantastic to see Commander. Look, I talked about this on the. Uh, on the podcast this week, reviewing the WrestleMania weekend uh, matches, specifically uh, Supercard of Honor, and um, I am I am enthralled. I am thrilled at the idea of this old standard from back in the day, from back in the '90s, where we're having you know the next generation of lucha superstars popping up on our television to inspire and uh, inspire and and and. Enthrall the next the, the the upcoming generation, the one that I probably won't be around to see. Uh, not unlike Rey Mysterio and Psychosis back in the day, you know, when they were hitting WCW and ECW back in the day, and you know, pretty much everywhere in the world, and having their outstanding matches, and then people later on looking at them and going, "Holy shit, these guys are amazing!" Because again, like guys like Vikingo and Commander in this point uh, in this situation, these are standouts, like. Because there's tons of Lucha Libre guys, but there's there's not many people who do who do it like these guys do it. Like as athletically, as smoothly, as awe-inspiring. The spots, sure, but the you know, 
the spots are one thing, but the execution, the flawlessness, the smoothness, the sheer understanding of, of, of pro wrestling. This is what makes these guys special. So I don't have an issue at all with a guy like Commander showing up on AEW once in a while and just like, you know, blowing our minds. Because in the meantime, you know, what is the other company doing with their international superstar, Dragon Lee? Well, you know, they bring him out for his debut match on pay-per-view and they have him lose. Without any more bells and whistles than that. You know, it's like... The thing is, Dragon Lee should be in this conversation. We should be talking about Dragon Lee on that same type of level. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track here. Um, but a fine match, I wouldn't call it good well it was it was fine you know what i mean like not a good great match it was fine fun we'll leave it at that after the match Guevara gets on the mic and he cuts a promo about why he's a pillar and why he should be challenging for the aew title he starts off by saying what was that all about max was that american idol and i'm like why are you comparing are you trying to say that american idol is shit like, I personally don't like American Idol, but it is one of the longest-running television shows in history, and uh, it has great production value and great talent. Is he trying to say American Idol because this was like an audition to American Idol? Maybe that's what he should have said. Because I don't, I don't think that was the drag that he thought it was. So, you know, not off to a great start. In this promo, he runs down MJF. Um, not unlike how Jack Perry did recently, that he's a liar and that he'd much prefer to be himself going to the top. And I'm like, okay, I've heard this material. I've heard this material. Says MJF didn't beat him the last time they fought and needed Sean Spears to do it. And that MJF, and that AEW is good to him, him being Sammy Guevara. This is his home. This is where he met his wife. And he won't let the bidding war of 2024 interfere in this. I thought this was a very bog standard promo. And I, you know, Sammy was trying to shoehorn uh, uh, energy into it and it wasn't working. And if anything, you know, I think Jack Perry, who is um, generally considered to not be great at promos, I think he, in this, since this MJF stuff has started, has started, I think he has been better. And I think he's, and I think Sammy was not as good as jack perry's most recent promos in this four pillars of AEW little feud going on here i thought this was a very bog standard very forced promo um with material that we've heard i don't know and i i don't want to just you know i know it's popular it's 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 still au goût du jour to shit on sammy guevara because we don't like sammy guevara we're not supposed to like sammy guevara but uh, this is not why I'm doing it. I thought his promo was mid. Very mid. And the guy whose promos are supposed to be mid, i.e. Jack Perry, are were better than this. So, I don't know. Like, I know there's a lot of people who see a very high ceiling with Sammy. I don't. You know, and people seem to think, oh, you know, he's a... You know, a lot of people are like, um, oh, but he's got uh, so much time to... To develop and he's going to be so great and he's he's going to be 30 he's going to be 30 this summer he's not like you know at, at this point Sammy Guevara is a and I I don't mean this again in a way to shit on him but he's a what you see is what you get 
kind of wrestler at this point. I'm not saying he can never improve, but we can't sit back and be like, he's going to grow into something fantastic. When you start hitting your 30s, you're, you know, there's a, there's patterns, there's things that have set in and this is, this is what we're going to get. If you, yeah, so I don't, like, I don't see it with Sammy. I don't. And again, this isn't just a thing where it's like, well, no, hang on. Let me, I don't see Sammy as a world champion. Because I see a, I see value in a guy like Sammy Guevara. Don't get me wrong. You know, I don't think he, I, I don't think he's a terrible pro wrestler. Far from it. I don't think he's a terrible promo. Far from it. But, you know, I see him go out. I see him do things. And uh, I see him perform and cut promos. And it's like, okay. It is what it is. It's fine. I just, uh, maybe people see the, the, the world championship ceiling for him. I just don't. And at this point in his career, I don't, I just don't see the, I don't see a sudden burst of, a sudden explosion of growth and, 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 and shock and awe, if that makes sense, to make him transcend into something that, uh, into something bigger. But I could be wrong. Get a uh, FTW title match where Hook defeated Ethan Page. Uh, look, outside of the uh, outside of the T-bone suplex that Hook gave Ethan Page, there wasn't much wrestling to this. Again, we're still part of it's still part of this angle with uh, Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, being on, being reluctantly on the same page of as Ethan Page, ha ha ha, and basically Matt Hardy keeps Ethan Page from using the FTW title to a, uh, to bean Hook across the head, and instead Ethan Page ends up eating the belt across the head, which allows Hook to get the win, and then Hook and uh, goes back up the ramp, uh, fist bumping Matt Hardy and uh, Isaiah Cassidy, and it, it's fine, it's fine, it's a you know, I, I, I will say, but I know he's out selling the injury because he's a pro. But this thing, this thing needs Stokely. Then we get the big announcement, which is led by Nigel McGuinness, who was announced earlier in the day to have an AEW contract. Makes a lot of people happy. Makes me happy. Nigel is a fantastic. Savant when it comes to pro wrestling. If you were around in some of the heyday of uh, NXT UK, you know how great of a color commentator he is at the same time. He's fantastic. And he knows his stuff. He knows the wrestler. He knows wrestling. Heard him this weekend at uh, Supercard of Honor as well. And, you know, they're bringing him in as an announcer. Uh, you know, and he was backstage doing the announcement. So good for him. Now, of course, the question that everyone has is, Will he wrestle? Will he, you know, does he still have one in him? Look, Nigel's injuries were very severe. They were life-threatening. They, they, you know, there's reasons why he has not even remotely stepped, he hasn't even remotely stepped into any kind of physicality in pro wrestling. So, we've seen, we've seen many people come back recently from these types of injuries that we were told that, you know, that they were told that would prevent them from ever wrestling again. 
Brian Danielson, Katsuyuri Shibata, Soraya. Is Nigel part of those? I don't know. Does Nigel even want to wrestle? I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. If we're doing a show at Wembley Stadium, uh, you've got yourself a, you've got yourself a big timer. You've got yourself a really emotional built-in match right there. And especially if it's against the Clam Digger. <laughs> anyway, we're going off topic here. Uh, it's nice. I'm happy for Nigel. And I'm happy he's going to get to do this again. Uh, and uh, he seemed to be very happy because he had vaguely tweeted about it uh, about uh, 10 days ago, saying there was something big coming up and he had a fresh new haircut and he was excited for the future and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I'm happy for him. I really am. So Tony makes the announcement and Tony even refers to, you know, he, he talks about All In, right? Because this is the show is going to be called All In. He says, uh, you know, five years ago, four visionaries, Cody Rhodes, the Jacksons, and Kenny Omega held all in the biggest indie show of all time. And now it's AEW all in at Wembley Stadium. So, you know, we're, we're attaching that. I, I guess now that he owns the Ring of Honor brand, everything's fine, right? Because that was the issue, right, with all in, is that it was a Ring of Honor owned the, the, the trademark, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm assuming everything's okay. And, and he brought in a wrestler to hype it. Who did he bring in to hype it? Who did he bring in to make it to make it a thing? Adam Cole. Now again, this is something you, you have to be listening to your boy Warren because what I've been telling you week after week after week is that Tony Khan is currently building Adam Cole to be a tippy top guy in the company. Not just a top guy, a tippy top guy. Hyping his return, giving him airtime to cut a promo, just saying, I'm coming back. And then, the, of course, the tie-in with the reality show and Adam Cole then having streamers upon his return, right? Celebrating like he won the, you know, like he won the fucking world title. And now he's the centerpiece of this and he's like, Adam Cole is going to give the final delivery here. Adam Cole is getting rocket strapped. I've been telling y'all this for weeks. This is it. This is the one where everyone on Twitter who's been saying, oh, they bungled Adam Cole. They failed the murmur, murmur. This is it. This is the one. If you were upset that Adam Cole was being mistreated, now you have to be on board with this because the signs are clear. Adam Cole is, Adam Cole is, in my opinion, is probably being established right now to be the guy to take the title off of MJF. I'm backtracking my shit about him having a heel turn. I think they're going to do the babyface thing for a while because they're putting him in a program with, with Chris Jericho, one of the top guys in the company, a guy who is a superstar and whose job has been to put other guys over. That's what Chris Jericho has been doing. It's, it's observable. It's quantifiable. He's, that's all Jericho's been doing. So to anyone who's been saying, well, they should have had Adam Cole uh, 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 fight someone else uh, than, than Chris Jericho. Who? Why? Who? Who will elevate Adam Cole as a definitive top guy, as a guy who matters to the company, if he's not fighting the top, the top guys? The... The BCC and the elite are on a collision course. So eliminate all those guys. Who's left? Ricky Starks? No, Ricky Starks is in his own thing right now. He has, he is being built alongside Adam Cole as a tip-top guy as well. 
So he's off. You can't have these two guys clashing. That doesn't make sense because one guy is going to come out looking worse than the other and you want both of these guys to keep on their upward trajectory. So it's not Ricky Starks. Will Hobbs? Do you want Will Hobbs? Will Hobbs is not... He is not a top guy. Scorpio Sky is another one I saw thrown around. He is not a top guy. What I've seen... Why isn't Adam Cole fighting Scorpio Sky? Because Adam Cole is being rocket strapped. Because Scorpio Sky hasn't been on TV for months. And has been a mid-card guy. This is not what you do here. This makes perfect sense. And Chris Jericho is going to do the right thing and he's going to lose this feud again. I love people who are like, and I saw this as well as that. Oh, well, of course, uh, Ricky Starks feuds with Juice Robinson and Chris Jericho gets elevated out of the loss. Chris Jericho gets elevated? Chris Jericho is already on a plane that you don't need to elevate more. We're not elevating Chris Jericho anymore. Chris Jericho has hit the highs of this business. The, the analysis some people have boggles my mind. You're not elevating Chris Jericho anymore. You don't need to. He is his own entity. He has his own gravitational pull, sure. The, and what this means for Adam Cole is he's going to be on television every goddamn week. Something that people were bemoaning before and now it's going to happen and now they're just going to... Because I promise you, if Adam Cole was in a feud with Scorpio Sky, if Adam Cole was in a feud with Shane Strickland, if he was in a feud with... Action Andretti or who the fuck all who the fuck else he would be firmly entrenched in the mid card and that would be the end of that that boxed in and that would be that and he'd be off TV a couple of weeks and then he'd come back this he is in a big time program with one of the top guys in the company whose role has been I am going to put other people over move on the Blackpool Combat Club defeated some jabrones Aaron Rourke Alvin Alvarez and Brother Greatness but who cares about the squash we don't care about that I'll tell you what we're caring about here after the match absolutely phenomenal angle chaotic a on the insane I love this Danielson is on the microphone and he talks how much he loves his family, but he also how much he also loves John Moxley, who's still on the floor tearing at a dude. And he says, John Moxley, I love him, and him ripping at people's mouths, because that's what he's doing right now. While there's still chaos fucking everywhere. Claudio Castagnoli and him destroying people, and Wheeler Yuta, even though he's a little shithead. I think how can you not love this fucking promo already? And, and he loves all of these guys and he loves professional wrestling. And he says everyone else, they, the BCC are the only professionals in pro wrestling. And he says everyone else are impotent amateurs. There we go. We're getting the Brian Danielson penis talk on live TV. They are all impotent amateurs. And the four of them, the BCC, are the only professional wrestlers in the building. Hell, 
after what he saw over the weekend, the only professional wrestlers in the entire business. I'm paraphrasing. Hangman Adam Page hits the ring. And he clearly was overcome with a bad case of stupid babyface syndrome. Because he decided he was going to take on all four of these guys all by himself. So he gets beaten up. While Danielson is on the microphone screeching, Amateur! 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 In the most despicable, screeching, Brian Danielson voice. It is outstanding. It is chaos. He pulled... He underscores that you no one loves you. I love these guys. I love the business, but no one loves you back, Paige. And then he pulls out a screwdriver and goes for the eye. At least that's what I think that's what we were implementing, what we were implying here, excuse me, that he was going for the eye. They said, oh, he's, he's attacking the face, but you know, I feel that was, that was that's what it was. And disturbing, unnerving, chaotic, fen just phenomenal stuff. Again. Another swing, another home run for the BCC. No one is coming as close. Uh, no one has been this fucking consistent. I talked about it last week. Nothing in AEW has been this fucking consistent. Since January of last year, when they started putting this stuff together, when Mox and Danielson started feuding. Nothing. This has been outstanding work and this this angle perfect like i said it was chaotic it was it was an assault it was just violent beat down the the, the screwdriver loved all of it loved all of it and it, again look at what look at the verbiage danielson is using here Look at the verbiage he was using. Uh, I am, um, he's, uh, he's using, you know, these guys don't look like professional wrestlers. Look like the elite, like the, v the EVPs would have hired them, right? Again, going into the, 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 the mouth of criticism that comes from other people who don't watch the show. And we're like, this guy doesn't look like a pro wrestler. What a goofball. Cosplaying. This is the verbiage that Danielson is using. Again, using things that the AEW fan base are sick of hearing, but he's using it into his heel persona. God damn. Great. Excellent. Yes. The, the trajectory is absolutely... Everyone's saying blood and guts. I'm crossing my fingers for anarchy at the arena. I'm not going to lie. And then we get to the main event. AEW World Title. World Tag Team Title Match. Versus AEW Careers. But FTR managed to win the titles. And defeat the guns. Uh, I don't have many thoughts on the match. Um, in and about itself. Uh, I think the guns stink. <laughs> I I I don't see it, and I don't think they're. I, I I look. I know why they were put in this position. I know why they. I understand it. They just for the reason I just said. They're not the team that should be world champions, and that was the whole gimmick, right? And they proved it in this match because they tried to cheat to win overtly. 
and the referee was having nothing of it. Paul Turner, a uh, uh, stalwart of Ring of Honor, calling it down the middle and using his discretion to be like, look, motherfuckers, we're not ending this like this. These guys' careers are on the line. We're not going to have any of your shenanigans. And they could not beat FTR without shenanigans. This, so don't get into the replies in the comments and tell me, Warren, you know, the reason why the, 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 the guns did all of this is because they're supposed to suck. I know. But right up until the final stretch, which was, which had all the, you know, the shenanigans, I thought this match was a very cold. I thought this was very, very cold. But we got to the end. Uh, uh, we got to the end where, you know, they, they try all sorts of diversions, but um, FTR get double pins on the, um, on the boys, on the guns to get the win. I got, like I said, I don't have many thoughts on the match outside of the fact that I really like the final stretch. And everyone did in the arena as well, and that's ultimately what counts. And the result for FTR winning. Now, like I, I can only take so many victory laps. I really can, but I, I, I have to take another one. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, Dax Harwood has just been working everyone hard. All the online fans, all the so-called smart fans out there getting worked big time by Dax Harwood. And I would, I've been telling you guys for weeks, it's like, my, my, my spidey senses are tingling. I don't buy it. Oops. I just, I took an Instagram picture and oh, on this sheet of paper, there's a half of a WWE logo. No. And I told you guys at the same time, he would not be talking about contract situations if he had signed if they had signed I should say with WWE because WWE forbids that shit he wouldn't be talking about it and I tweeted it out and I said congratulations to Dax Harwood for 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 work for doing the new work it's not the old work is the new work now it's the it's the new work is getting people upset over contract situations a lot of people got upset. A lot of and, and most people are like, well, aren't they baby faces? Who cares? You got work. Like if you got upset, and I'm sorry to say, if you got upset over Dax Harwood's contract talk, uh, April 10 can't come soon enough, and you know, we're gonna tell our fans, but if you got upset in the pictures and the innuendo, if you got upset because of that, you got worked. And I don't know what to tell you. Just accept it and it's fine to get worked and I can't tell you all enough I'm not sitting here accusing you of not being smart enough to have not picked it up I'm just saying go along with the ride and that's what I've been trying to tell everyone here it's like it feels like work guys calm down it's fine tons of people tons of people got angry and they're still angry they're in the they're in replies to Dax and Cash today. They shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Which is proof they should have. They, 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 you got worked. And I don't know what to tell you. And it's fine. You should get worked. It's pro wrestling. You absolutely should get worked. And if Dax has figured out a way in the year 2023 to get people worked, he figured it out. It's like, you can't work them on the kayfabe shit. So we're going to kayfabe the real shit. We're going to... We're going to cre start creating uh, uh, buffer zones where we don't know anymore. Is this really the contract? This is not the contract. Are they really leaving? Are they not? 
I didn't be really believe, like, you leave yourself a little, you leave yourself a little opening here where you're like, you know, there is a chance that they can leave. This is fucking pro wrestling. You know, no one thought Cody Rhodes would ever leave AEW and look at where we are in 2023, right? That We should always go back to that. So there's always an opportunity. There's always something open in this environment to be like, yeah, but I've been telling you, he's been on record talking about Tony Khan and how much of a good boss he is. Even today he was saying, we can't go back to WWE because the schedule will keep us away from my from our families. And I'm like, look, there you go. But no, people get upset because oh no, because because of tribalism, because of uh, you know uh, maybe because they're new, which is fine. But Dax found a way to work online fans. Online fans are got mad at him throughout the entire work, and now he's he's signed. He's fine. He's secure. They're still in AEW. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. So again, I caught you know, it was work. I saw it coming, and I was telling I was telling y'all, don't worry, this all feels like a work. And another victory lap. I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath from being so right, so much. We're gonna wrap it up on this point right here. I couldn't be, I couldn't end this show on a better note than me saying, than me pointing out how right I am. Thank you everyone for hanging out. <laughs> I appreciate it a great deal. Thank you for listening and watching. Uh, again, likes on YouTube and subscriptions are great. Reviews and ratings on Apple and Spotify are also equally great. If you want to show a little support from the show, for the show, I will be back on Tuesday with another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. So in the meantime, I hope everyone has a lovely rest of the week. Uh, a, <laughs> a lovely rest of the week and a lovely time. And I will see you next time.